Hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. Now, we're going to continue with our series, Time-Tested Truths, Wisdom versus Foolishness. Hey, hi, my name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay, and you're listening to Chew On That, where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the most current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay, and that happens to be the Time-Tested Truths series. And we're listening to Pastor Barry talk on wisdom. Joining me today is my very good friend, Casey. Say hi, Casey. Hi, Casey. That's Just so kidding. Good that you heard. <laughs> it's going to be like this all day, you guys. So if you've got a sweet tooth, it's going to hurt by the end of the time. She's the sweetest thing I know. Anyway, uh, Casey, I feel like maybe a lot of people know who you are if they see your face, but they might not know a lot about you. Could you maybe yeah. tell us just a little bit about you? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I am married to my husband, BJ. We've been married for, oh my gosh, it'll be 20 years That's this year. That's insane. That is crazy. Um, and then I have, we have two, I have two kiddos. We have two kiddos. Uh, I have a daughter, Kalia. She is a sophomore. She's 16. She's driving, which is crazy. And my son, Kave, he's in eighth grade. He just turned 14. They're both going to be in high school next Next year, which makes me feel old, wow. and I well, I don't feel old. Nope, you don't look but old. But when I say that, it makes it seem like I yeah. am old. It sounds like an old person thing to say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been working at Life Church for about four years. Um, I mean, before that, I was in customer service. I am a people person. I am a dog person. I have two dogs, two furry kids. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. What Tell else? me, uh, what do you do here at church? Um, so I, uh, am the life groups pastor Mm -hmm. and most recently I've also been helping with our catalyst youth ministry. That's been super fun. Jesse, pastor Jesse and I helped with that last year for worship. And so now we're just trying to jumpstart that again, just being on break since COVID. Um, so that's been really cool to be a part of just to see students having something to do, uh, and life church supporting it. Uh, I do lots of, you know, I answer, maybe someone's listening, I answer your emails, um, your voicemails. Um, I'm on the worship team. Um, I don't know, lots of stuff. I feel like if it happens at Life Church, you've touched it (laughs) at some form or another. I feel like you just have your hands in everything. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a testament not to the fact that, I mean, that there's a lot of work. It's just the fact that you're so valuable, right? And that you bring so much value to what has to get done here that you're always involved in it. So I think that's fantastic. That's cool. Tell me more about like your Jesus journey. Oh man. Um, well I was so fun fact, Life Church is only the second church I've ever been a part of. I was literally born and raised in a small Baptist church in Green Bay, which that's kind of weird. There's not a lot of Baptist churches right. in Green Bay. And it was a Southern Baptist church. Wow. <laughs> so my mom moved here from North Carolina and it was, I'm pretty sure the only Southern Baptist church. I think the only reason it's called Southern Baptist is the pastors were usually from like Texas that came here. Um, but anyway, that's where I was born and raised my entire life, you know, church two times on Sundays, Wednesday, you know, discipleship training, yeah. uh, all that, all that good stuff. So born and raised in the church. Um, but I mean that, I think I found that that doesn't mean you always have developed the right kind of relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so that happened for me way later in life. Um, and so I, you know, Pastor Barry's message, there was a part of it that was really personal for me, mm. uh, that, you know, when we get to that point of the the topics here, um, it was a really good reminder that you know you, your salvation isn't based on the people who who raise you or yeah. the people around you. Your salvation is based on your own relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like you know you're you're because uh, I also kind of a, a mixed 
Christian background, like a mixed denominational background. And so um, sometimes, you know, we have denominations, I feel like, because you, you practice your faith in a place where you feel comfortable with those practices or how other people are celebrate their faiths together. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it means one thing for us as a kid because that's where our parents are, but it means something completely for us as an adult. Yeah. And so even, even just like in the, in the last two minutes, right. Of you talking, how you talked about how, you know, you're the life groups pastor and kind of a youth pastor and everything. And like growing up Southern Baptist, right. And they don't have those sorts of things. Right. Like even that just tells me like, that's a, there's a lot there, Yeah. you know? And so, um, and the problem I feel like, you know, for our listeners is that make sure that you don't get caught up in the things that are, that are not, I don't know, hills to die on or that they're, they're not, um, they're not heaven or hell decisions. They're not heaven or hell traditions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That, that some people just have those traditions because this is how they understand and this is what they're comfortable with, but they're yeah. not heaven or hell you know, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Things. You yeah. know what I mean? And yep. so this fact that in the Southern Baptist conference, right, that you can't be a chick pastor right. or a lady pastor <laughs> or however you'd say that. A you can't pastor. dance. I was like, it was like footloose. You can't, yeah. you're not supposed to right. dance. Right. Uh, Go to the movies. Abstain from alcohol. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Lots of stuff. Uh, you know, lots of stuff. But the, really what I learned was I wasn't really practicing my own faith. I think you might've said this. He, right, what you just said. I wasn't really practicing my my own faith. I was just practicing what was shown to me, which is exactly what Pastor Barry is talking about. Yeah. Um. So that made a lot of sense to me. It wasn't until I uh, disengaged from the church because, like many, unfortunately, like many eighteen year olds, I when I turned eighteen, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, but it was sure. because I didn't have my own faith, and yep. so it wasn't until God put me to the test in a lot of situations uh, that. I was like, well, what do I believe yeah. and why do I believe it? Yeah. So I dig that. Cause I feel like our faith shouldn't be a hand-me-down. Like it's like when mm. you're, or when you're 18 and you go for your first job interview, so you borrow your dad's suit and it doesn't <laughs> fit you. It looks stupid. It's out of fashion. It's not who you are, but you wear it cause yeah. it's the only suit you've got. Yeah. And some of us treat our faith that way. Like, well, this is my dad's faith. So I'm going to wear it. It itches, it scratches, it's out of fashion. The, it's too short in the legs and too long in the inseam or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we've yeah. got all these things that are, it doesn't fit us. Yeah. And so just because it was my dad's suit doesn't have to be my suit. Or just because it was your mom's dress doesn't mean it has to be your dress. Yeah. And so your faith should be yours. Yeah. And it's your faith is worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. It's not worth just taking someone else's word for it. It's worth finding for yourself. Anyway, yeah. that's a whole nother thing. So good. Anyway, so let's just jump into into um, into Pastor Barry's message, and uh, we'll listen to that first quote uh, right now. If you do this, you'll get this in return. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It's the Father in heaven saying to us, listen, I know what's best for you. I created you. I want to bless you. And the way that I do that is to show you in my word. Just trust me, God says. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, I mean, trust is such a hard thing for us. And in fact, some of us, you know, when we talk about our faith, the deeper we get into our faith, sometimes it's even harder for us. There's this period there where you're all self-assured and you figure you got it figured out. And so you feel like that and your, your trust in him starts to diminish. Like you think, mm-hmm. I know, I understand this. I got, I got this, mm-hmm. you know, don't even worry about this one. I've got this one on my own. You know, I feel like we, we do that thing with our faith sometimes, yeah. you know, but I loved what Barry, uh, Barry had said here. And so like you had talked about, um, uh, in your introduction, you talked about somebody reminded me about this thing about how he said like a, we're used to a transactional faith. We're used to like if if I do this, I get this other thing. 
And, and I guess for me growing up, because my, my background is similar with yours, right? I grew up in a Pentecostal church. It was a very Southern Baptist feeling, right? No dancing, no alcohol, no yeah. movies. And so, um, but like, I thought that that was my end of the transaction, that if I did not dance and if I did not go to the movies and if I did not drink and if I did not do all these other things, that was my end of the bargain where God's end of the bargain would be my salvation, right? And that's uh, not right. Yeah. You know, like it's not, it's not in the Bible that way. It's not, that's saying that I can behave so well that God will have me. And so if you're listening and that's like how you understand faith, oh my gosh, get yourself here like on Sunday yeah. or something. Cause we yeah. need to talk about this for a second. Yeah. And isn't there like, there's more pressure though. I feel like if that is your, how you believe it works um, works. That's a lot of pressure because how often do we fail? Like I fail daily. Yes. And so that's where I think you get into that, that rhythm of, well, I'm just not good enough, or I'm going to, I'm going to give my, my life and surrender to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus thing when I'm, when I'm done doing this or when this gets better. Right. And that's such a terrible and sad and hopeless kind of way to live out your faith. That's not faith. Um, because you know, that's just depending, you're still depending on yourself. Like there, there has to be a point where you come to the understanding that it's nothing that you do. And I know we hear that in church all the time, right? That's what the pastors say and the preachers say, but the the more like Pastor Bear is talking, the more intimate you get with God, reading his word. Praying to me is the most intimate thing you can do with mm, God, like yep. talking to him. Like that, those things that you build into your life, that's where you can really have a better understanding that there's nothing you can do. Right. Like you can be really good one day and like, the next day, like really bad. And you said something too, like the, the trust thing, um, you know, like things are going really good and like, you think, okay, I I got this now. Like (laughs) that's, that's super faulty too. Right. Just because life is never always on the up. (laughs) There's always the up and downs. And so just as a, a solid believing Jesus person, like knowing that just because something's going bad in my life, that doesn't mean that I'm not trusting God or God's not trustworthy. It just means I have to trust him more when those things happen. But that's a relationship thing. That's a, that is like building intimacy with someone. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if you're, if you're going to base what you think your salvation, your eternal life, whatever, however you want to say it on your behavior, if mm-hmm. you're going to base it on that, then, then what you need is like a list of things that, you know, check boxes that you're either checking or highlighting because they still need to be done. And so now where does that even list even come from? Because some people say, well, like, listen, I've got the 10 commandments, right? I, I don't do any of those things. I'm not coveting anything. I'm not lying. I'm not, I'm being nice to my mom. I'm not killing anybody. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like I'm good. I'm good to go. Right. right. I follow the 10 commandments and like the 10 commandments are like the starting point. Like mm-hmm. they're like the, you know, we're going to base everything off of this. And so if the, if you look at the, we were just talking about this in growth track yesterday. If you look at, so our faith, God fathers are the foundation of our faith is the Jewish faith. Like what we get comes from them. So like even our guy, we like to call him our guy, right? He was Jewish. Like <laughs> our guy. Yeah. He, he was Jewish the whole time. He's still Jewish, right? I'm sure he's has a dreidel somewhere. I don't know. But in the Jewish tradition, I want to know if Jesus had a dreidel. Like, I want to know that right now, actually, to tell you the truth. Anyway, because that's the only Jewish thing I know. <laughs> and borscht. I think borscht is Jewish. Is it? I, I thought know. it was maybe Russian. Oh, is it? Perhaps. Maybe Russian Jews? I don't know. 
Manshevitz. Man, holy Manshevitz. Oh my gosh, sounds like you're swearing. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so our Jewish people, our Jewish friends, not just had the Ten Commandments, they had like 613 laws, right? Like that was was everything. So both the written things were written down, things were passed down, you know, from generation to generation by stories or oral traditions or whatever. Like there was a lot of laws. And Sean taught a message one time telling me that sin isn't like the set of rules are laid out in the Bible. It's anything that separates me from God. It's anything that disappoints God. It's anything God wouldn't do. And so when I think about my life or how I got up this morning, what what am I going to do today that God wouldn't have done? Yeah. Like, I can't even count the number of things I've already done. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, the things I said to the lady at the roundabout today, like (laughs) God wouldn't have said those things. So now I'm a sinner, right? And I'm not trying to be aloof about my sin. But know that you're never gonna you're never gonna get it done. You're never gonna yeah. be able to like fully complete yourself and be sinless. Mm-hmm. There's only one dude that did that, right? And then we killed him. But like no one else has been able to do that. Yeah. And so that's so when I think about this faith and how we how it works or what the transaction is and how we can start trusting in God, like the wisdom there is to know that I'm never gonna be able to complete it. I'm the Bible talks about how there's a that 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 God will be faithful to complete the good work that he started in you. Mm-hmm. And so that lets me know that there's some part of the work that's on me, mm-hmm. but there's this big God portion of the work that's on, that's on him. Right. And that's like, so the law of sowing and reaping, right? Like what you're putting in will come out of it, even though God is in charge of the overall outcome. Right. Man, like as someone who has been believing and loving Jesus for a while now, like I've seen that happen. Like the more time I put in, mm-hmm. not necessarily the the better my life is overall, but you know, overall, yes, better. Even though bad things happen, it's still better because mm-hmm. God has shown me how to feel peace, how to feel joy. Um, you know, God has, like, when I've asked for things, like asking you will receive, that's in the Bible. So, okay, I'm going to do it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And and he has come through with that. Maybe not the exact way I would have liked to have received something, but that law of sowing and reaping is what you put in, you know, like that's with really anything in life. You know, if you want to get an A in a class, well, you put in the work to study and then you'll reap the good grade. Um, and not that just the more you, like this shouldn't be a checklist. So right. the more you read your Bible and the more you pray and the more you go to church, like that's not the sowing that helps. The sowing though is still that, that intimacy and relationship with God. Yeah. And I feel like I, we, if we do this for every one of these things, Casey, we're going to be here all day. <laughs> But <laughs> another part of that, though, is that we think we think that those things, that prayer part, the Bible reading part, yeah. the, you know, time spent with friends or whatever, like Jesus' friends talking about our faith. Sometimes we look at those things as part of, as like another checkbox, a, yeah. a part of our obligation. Yeah. But if you're really into your faith, those are extensions of what you've already what you're already doing. Like I can't not do that. It would be ridiculous of me yeah. not to pray. It'd be ridiculous of me not to read. It'd be ridiculous of me not to study. You know what I mean? It would just, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh my gosh, how would I even do this? Right. So it's not like a, it's not, as you said, something I'm going to check off mm-hmm. to make sure I get it done. It's like, it. What's it's what makes me go. Totally. You know? Yeah. Totally. I love that. Yeah. Good job. Question is this, why would any Jesus guy or Jesus girl want to live without godly wisdom? The wisdom of the world is faulty. It's fake. It leads us down the wrong path. It takes us to places we never want to go and we never will return easily. There's always a price to pay using worldly wisdom. There's always a consequence that's going to cost us more than we want to pay because it's not God's wisdom. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> like, if you go to, I was going to say Walden Books. Do they even have Walden Books anymore? Oh my you- God. 
gosh, I do remember. Yes, <laughs> Port Plaza Mall. Oh, yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Those are good because it was right next door to KB Toys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I can still smell like <laughs> the popcorn from somewhere, some caramel corn I know from what somewhere. Was, I can't remember um, the name. Orange Julius was right upstairs. Yes. Walking around trying to find cute girls. I mean, oh I was trying gosh. to find cute girls, but you. Anyway, <clears throat> if you walk in any bookstore, right, you see this self help section and it's chock full, right? If you look at the New York Times bestseller list, chock full, right, in the nonfiction areas of like self help books. Here's what you can get more out of your diet. Here's how you can get more out of your exercise. Here's how you can get more out of your job. Or how you get more out of your marriage. How do you get more? The world is full of worldly wisdom, right? It doesn't take much to figure, you know, that's something that I'm not doing and I admire what that person has or what that person looks like or, you know, whatever, you know, that person's title. I'm going to buy that book because they must be super wise about this. And I'll try to make my life happen in their way. And like, unless I'm them, it's not going to work for me. You know, it's just not, mm-hmm. you know? And so w- what we do in our world is then that we create like a multi-level marketing about it. Right. <laughs> uh, it's not working for me, but if I sell this guy's thing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> then I can make some money. You know what I mean? Just, I feel like the whole the whole thing about worldly wisdom is that. Like worldly wisdom has nothing to do with you being better. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with getting your money. Mm, you know? Yeah. And so when I think about God's wisdom, when I think about godly wisdom or biblical wisdom, I'm like, there's no end, there's no end result to that. There's no mm-hmm. he's not in it for the money. He's got all the money in the world, you know, or whatever. But like I just feel like you know, what he wants is like for you to be happy, for right. you to live life and live it to the full mm-hmm. is what he specifically said he came here for. Like he didn't say, I came here so that you could be my next tier down. And if you get three people to be under you and your tier, then, you know what I mean? Like, then you can make some serious money. We'll buy you a Cadillac, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about this idea of wisdom, like the last place I want to find wisdom is in the world. Like, I feel like I'll operate just fine if I operate how Jesus told me to operate. And try to do my best to live like he did. Like, that's who I need to admire. That's my model. Not Tony Robbins or not whoever. I don't, I don't even know who popular. I feel like Tony Robbins is probably pretty old, huh? That, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know anyone else either, but <laughs> sorry, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I just feel like, I don't know. Trying to find your way with worldly wisdom is just going to end up in the world. Heck yeah. I think, too, like, I mean, the world is very... Uh, back and forth, back and forth, right? Like God's word never changes. Okay. Like, but like, oh my gosh, like, listen, I just learned that skinny jeans are not the thing anymore. Like now it's something else, right? What are you even doing in those skinny jeans? Gosh, or like, okay, I should eat all meat. Nope, don't eat, just eat all carbs. I don't know. Like everything is always changing. Um, And like you said, it's, is it really like, is that wisdom or the worldly advice really for my good? Yeah. Or is it really for someone else's good? Yeah. So I, I love how you phrase that because that's a, a great way to measure that. But I mean, the world is always changing what they think because most of the time it's thinking about themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. And as long as it's, it goes back to the thing about uh, a few weeks ago, we taught on joy versus despair. Mm-hmm. And if we keep addressing our reactions to our circumstances, oh, I'm not happy with this. Well, the world will tell me how to find a new place where I can be happy. And so that's how I'm falling as I'm like a cat with a laser, you know, dot, right? Like I'm just like running all over the room trying to find a new thing that's going to make me happy. Right. Yeah. Cause this one's not working. Oh, look, there's another one over there. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is because I'm this. And so if I'm not that, then it can be this other thing and that'll make me happy. And we keep chasing happiness yeah. and we're just exhausted. Like we're spiritually exhausted yes. trying to chase after every last thing. Like, oh, if I smudge over here, if I rub this thing over there, if I burn this or if mm-hmm. I, you know, I think all these things that we're just chasing after and, like, 
I kind of feel like God's just like looking at us like, oh, you guys. Running like I'm right, right here. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. Right. It's almost like a like, uh, like sometimes I think the things that the world tells us to do is like, if it feels like, well, that's just easier, yeah. but really, is it, is yeah. it really easier than God just being who he is past, present, future? Right. Like that's easy yeah. because he doesn't change. Yeah. So your, your decision about what to do doesn't change. Yeah, I dig that. Good job. James 1, 5 says this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for your asking. In other words, he won't think you're silly or immature because you ask his help. Mm, that's I, good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> this thing about wisdom, we were talking about this uh, at Life Church downtown uh, last night. And we were talking about this thing about wisdom and what the difference between wisdom and knowledge was. And it reminded me of like something I read on the internet, like where knowledge is knowing that, uh, that the tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad, right? Something like that. <laughs> I might have it wrong, but I feel like that they were just kind of talking about yeah. that. And I feel like we get that because we tried to put the tomato in the fruit salad and turns out tomato fruit salad's gross, right? And so that's an experience that we've had and we learn from that experience. And so it's not just a matter of having knowledge, like reading it in a book or listening to it on a podcast, that it in fact is experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And so we can either experience it ourselves or surround ourselves mm-hmm. with people that, that do have that experience, that do have that wisdom. Like it talks in the Bible a lot about how, I feel like it does anyway, about how God speaks to us, in, in, at least for me, in three ways. He talks to me through his word, right? He, he talks to me through like my gut feeling, like I feel like that's the Holy Spirit yeah. leading me. And I feel like he, he talks to me through the wise counsel of my friends. Mm-hmm. So if I surround myself with the people that I know for sure love Jesus and I know for sure love me and have experience, well, that's where I'm going to get my wisdom from. So when I ask God for wisdom, it's not like he like comes down one night and like gets like a, like a corkscrew thing and like taps a hole in your head and then just drops information in there. So you're wise. I guess the only way he could really do that is either have you go through crappy experiences. So you learn your lesson or he puts people in your path that could teach you what they learned. Yeah. Right. I think I've gone through both. And I'll tell you that of the of the two, having someone else tell me what happened for them, that's the much easier way than going through crappy stuff myself. But like, I just feel like that's what we get when we ask God for wisdom is like, give me like the, the context, right? Wisdom comes from context. Like not just looking mm-hmm. at the thing, like a tomato, mm-hmm. right? I have to look at it in the context of the whole fruit salad. Like how does that tomato really mix with the watermelon and the grapes? Yeah. You know what else I just thought? I think that grapes at someone else's house always taste better than when if you buy grapes and have them at your house. I feel like if someone has grapes out eating, like, oh my gosh, these grapes are so good, right? Do but if, you? Yeah, but then if you go to if you have grapes at your house, you're like they sit in there and they go bad. At my okay, that's house. true. My kids don't eat them, yeah. but I eat them. Yeah. Sometimes I touch a grape and then Do I you? don't eat it and you let just someone leave else eat it. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> Casey's saying that because that's straight up what she just did at staff. Like there's this whole bowl full of berries and she grabs some berries and like, nah, these feel gross. I'm not going to eat this. And then she just put it right back. She didn't, didn't have rubber gloves on. No, she didn't like, that was so gross. Her family. I, yep. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that I'm not inviting Casey to any parties at my house. Watch out. <laughs> I love what you're saying. Um, about like asking, well, and Pastor Barry said it too in the little clip, just asking God. Uh, cause sometimes it's embarrassing to ask like someone for, th- it's hard to ask yeah. for things, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on your personality, maybe, but um, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to ask, like, if you have a need, uh, but, you know, knowing that God 
well, one, he already knows what we're going to say or what we're yep. having a hard yep. time saying, but knowing that that's the, the person, the confidant that we can go to to ask, that's comforting. Um, but just the thought of how happy or like if I think of God as a father, how proud that would make him feel instead of me saying, well, I, I need this or I want this to happen instead to say, God, like, can you help me understand or, you know, uh, what should I do? And I don't know what to do. What should I do? Can you show me? Can you help me? Can you bring someone into my life that will help guide me through that? I mean, that is, that is such a, a, a wiser ask than this, than like, well, I already know I want this. So give me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I read this on Twitter today. Uh, it says, this is a quote from a guy named Sinclair Ferguson. I don't know who that is. Mm -mm. So if you know who that is, you're smarter than me. <laughs> he said, I think the most common misconception that people have about God is they do not understand what it means for him to be a father. Mm. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I mean, like he talks about himself all the time that way. And then yeah. Jesus talks about God, the father, that way all the time. And so it's, it's worth thinking about or th again, having, being wise about that. And they, what's the context of that? Yeah. Because yes, God knows God's not surprised by anything that you're asking him for, whether it's for wisdom or it's for a job or, you know, I don't know, like a better, I don't know, whatever. He's yeah. not surprised by it. And he's not waiting. That's another conversation. I was gonna <laughs> say, he's not waiting for you to ask to give it to you, but that's a whole nother <laughs> theological conversation. We'll have that another time. But like, while he knows our heart, I think he likes to be asked. Yeah. Like I feel like he, he likes the fact that we recognize that we need it. And probably more importantly, he recognizes that he might be the only way that we're going to get it. Yeah. Like that kind of confession, like the humility that you need mm -hmm. to stand or sit or kneel or lay before God and say, I need this. Can you help me with this? Acknowledges his, I don't know, lordship. It acknowledges right? his majesty. It acknowledges his omniscience and his omnipresence and his omnipowerfulness. Yeah, omnipowerfulness. Yes. I, it's one of those. Anyway, so like, I, I feel like, you know, it's not like he's vain and he needs it, but he like, this is our relationship. I'm your father. You're my yes. child. Yeah. Right. And so there's just some things that go together with that. And that one of those is, is like having enough er, nerve or enough desperation to ask someone for the help. Mm -hmm. And so when we ask God for that, that, like, that establishes this fatherhood thing yes. that I feel like God loves. And I feel like I'm more, I feel, I feel more loved as a child when I can acknowledge him as my father. Right. And then when you do the ask, right, doesn't that like almost take the burden you're carrying or it softens you. Yeah. And so just that again, like, isn't it easier to do that than try to do it on your own? Yeah. Yeah. And why, why would you not, you got a guy on your sidelines, mm -hmm. uh, the creator of everything, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, he's just waiting there to get called into the game. And you're like, no, I got this. I'm just going to do it myself. And you're all super 98 pound weakling. And you're like, you know what? I feel like you probably weigh like 98 pounds. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm up to 99. Oh my gosh. Anyway. So I just feel like, um, like we're trying to get it done and like, we don't have, we, we have a super like friend. Superhero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like on the sidelines, all we have to do is call him in. He's a ringer. Yeah. Right. All we have to do is ask him. Is that pride? Like, what is it? You know uh, what yeah. I mean? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we can say that we did it ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's useless. What has that ever gotten me? I did right. this myself. What is that? I've never gotten anything from that. I've never gotten a date. I've never gotten a, a new <laughs> job. I've never gotten a raise. I've never got a new car by saying I did this myself. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So who am I trying to, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's, that's good. You're good. <laughs> but it's in the feminine tense in Hebrew. There are different tenses. And in this particular tense, it's 
feminine, which leads us to understand in the feminine tense that it refers to women giving birth. Again, wisdom, women giving birth. But the idea here carries over into new insights, new spiritual ideas that come from wisdom when we depend on God's wisdom. Here's the idea. When we join ourselves, allowing God to work in us and through us, using his wisdom, we become intimate with him. We know him. And there's only one way to get God's wisdom, and that is to become intimate in relationship with him. Okay, there's two pieces here I want to talk about. I want to talk about this intimacy part because that's super duper important. But I'm reading this book. Do you do this thing of where you're reading a book and so now it's part of every conversation that you're having? <laughs> do you do that? Because I do that all the time. <laughs> that's now. great, yes. Anyway, I'm reading this book uh, called The 12 Rules of Life or 12 Rules for Life or something. It's not a Jesus book. It's like just by a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I don't know which one's which. Um, and so it's this guy named uh, Jordan Peterson. And he talks about like how our minds work, how our ancient minds work and how they're set up and like how they help us to respond to things. And it's a beautiful book. It's like, I'm doing it on audible and he's from Canada. So he says all these words in like a Canadian accent. So he sounds I, like Wisconsin kind of? No, like it's not like oh, that. It's not like oh. the great white North. It's just like his, oh. it's almost more Boston than anything. Okay. Yeah. See, that's not, that's not how he talks. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, he's just talking about this kind of stuff. And he was talking about the yin and the yang, the Taoist yin and yang, right? Mm -hmm. And how one of those is the feminine, one of those is the masculine, and one of those is chaos, and one of those is order, mm. right? And that, in fact, the the feminine is chaos. And that and then he started talking about how the feminine is maternal. And then he started talking about how maternal and material have the same root, right? And how material then and matter have the same root. And so he talked about how, like, out of the feminine, everything is what matters. Like, that's like, that's what's creating everything. That's what's, that's, that's what makes the difference is the mm -hmm. matter. And the matter comes from the maternal. And that like totally blew my mind because I never put those words together. Sometimes we, I feel we just skip over words and not really mm -hmm. think about what they mean. That's one of the reasons why I love Sean because Sean's an epitomologist, an ophthalmologist, an episiologist. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. An entomologist. Is it entomologist? I don't know. What? Come I on. I don't know. A word person? Yeah. But yeah, it's like a word. <laughs> I think I might have said a swear word in I there. know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's the guy that looks at words. And I love, because I feel like yeah. there's etymology and entomology. One's about bugs and one's about words. What? I'm almost positive. <laughs> anyway, write to Casey at Casey at Life Church Green Bay if you've got a better answer for that. <laughs> I love that Sean's a word person. I love yeah. that he gets down to the root of things. And so that's helped me a lot in a lot of places in my faith that we can talk about another time. But this thing about matter and the things that do matter, mm. like that blows my mind, yeah. right? Because those are two different things. Like matter is like, sub. I always get these words confused too, subjective and objective. Mm -hmm. Like something, something that, that can't, is you can't argue with it or it's like, it's just what it is. And the other one is like a matter of opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the same thing is true of matter. Like yeah. matter is like, if that's a subjective one, like there's the thing that can't be changed. It just is what it is. Right. But then matter, like what matters is completely mm. different. And mm -hmm. I feel like that has a lot to do with my faith, like what matters. And that's what it has to do with my faith, because the fact that we have an idea or an opinion of what matters tells me that there's a God. Mm -hmm. So matter is what will science will look at to say whether they're how it was created or what it is, yeah. but what matters, mm. that's a thing. I mean, our, 
I mean, do frogs care what matters? I mean, do they care that it, I mean, you know what I mean? Or even chimpanzees, do they care why this is a thing? Like they may be super smart, our closest, right? Right. Genetic cousin. Right. But do they, do they care that what matters? Do they prioritize things by what matters or what's going to hurt someone or what's going to help someone? What's going to love, yep. show love. And all those things are like, for me, a very faith thing, like very faith thing. Yeah. Like this fact that we question what matters, anyway, yeah. which leads me to the intimacy part. And so like this idea that God should be our closest friend, our mm-hmm. closest confidant, the closer than a brother. Like, I feel like that's such a critical part of our faith because if we practice faith in such a way, I'm saying way too many words, but if we practice our faith in such a way that we're just watching someone else perform their faith or walk out their faith or they're facilitating our faith on our behalf, you know, like there's just no way. How would you ever make that? Like, how could yeah. you not have an intimate relationship with God? Right. And like Jesus came and was really specific about, listen, no one gets to the father except through me because me and the father are one. Yeah. Right. So like that's, I'm all you need. And so there's nothing, there's no other accessories to our faith. There's nothing else that's needed. There's nothing else that's required. And so that's why this intimacy with God is so important. You talked about how prayer is like, you feel like one of the most intimate acts that you can do with God, that you can like just be with him Mm -hmm. in communion, not like in communion, like with a wafer, but like in community, you know, again, same root word. Who even thinks of those words together? (laughs) Communion and community or communism, right? They're all the same sort of thing. Anyway. My point is, is that, that that intimacy is important. I don't feel like I can do that. That would never work for me if that were being handled by somebody else. No way. No, because like when you think about what matters, like if I was just depending on watching someone else walk out their faith or them always doing the prayer or always reading the scripture to me and I'm not doing it myself, how would I even know what matters? I'm not having any feelings or emotions about it. Right. And then what if that person that's doing that for me, what if they stumble a little bit in their faith or what, <laughs> yep. you know, like what if the, how often does that happen? Someone that you put on a pedestal as, as, as a, a spiritual mentor say, right, right. I mean, they're people though. Right. Yep. And so something happens that negatively impacts you. And then, so what happens to your faith? And right. it just doesn't hey, Here's matter. a newsflash. They're failing. Right. right. Because I know that I'm failing. Right. right? I don't think you fail. Like I, I look at cases no. and like, <laughs> Like Ask my even, kids. I, I don't know. I can't even imagine. Anyway, but like, and I love that part about Sean too. This isn't the Sean fan club show. I'm sorry. I keep saying nice stuff about Sean, but like, I just, he'll talk about that all the time from the pulpit. Like, mm-hmm. listen, I'm, I don't have it figured out. This last week I did this. I did that. And right. I feel like a lot of faith leaders will never tell you that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason that's important or the reason why sometimes it breaks my heart, not what Sean is like, but when people put him on that kind of pedestal, like sometimes people come in, like, I really got to talk to Sean. Right. Like I got this going on in my life. I really got to talk to Sean as though Sean's like a high priest and he's the only one allowed into the Holy of Holies or the only one to talk to God or has a conversation with God. Yeah. Well, another newsflash, like you have the same access to God that Sean has. I love, right. I you love know? that. I love that when people understand yeah. that, you know, yeah. because I mean like, yeah, Sean's great, you know, and Sean's wise. Like there's things that I'll take to Sean for sure. Like I'm glad that he's in my circle of people that I can trust, but there's other people yeah. that you can trust. There's other people who are wise. And, and in the end, what it comes right down to is this intimate thing that you were talking about that I can just take this to God, mm-hmm. you know? And like Sean's got no magic box of answers. Like he's not, he's not like this secret filing cabinet he's got up at his office. So if you can score an appointment with him and you say, this is going on with my wife or this is going on with my job. He's like, Oh, let me just pull out that file. Here's what it says. Like Sean doesn't have that. You're right. But you know what he would be doing is going to prayer or going to the word, which was what you said. We all have that access. Yeah. And why would I even want to take, yeah. Why would I want to take Sean's word for it anyway? 
Right. Like, why let Sean read the Bible and tell me what it says? Maybe I should read the stupid Bible. Nope. Maybe stupid me should read the Bible. I didn't mean to say that the Bible was stupid. So please, if you have a problem with that, write Casey oh at Life Church Green Bay. <laughs> anyway, like, I just feel like it's really important to know that it's, I mean, like we have the same access, right? Right. And I feel like um, that, you know, just the, depending on church background or no church background, like your access isn't like, like leveled, like just open your Bible. You may not understand what you're reading right away, but keep putting that in you. Um, same with prayer. Like you don't have to have a special memorized prayer. I mean, sometimes those things are beautiful and can really help focus, but like your relationship is who you, and how would you talk to God? Listen, I feel like the greeting card industry is like a multi-billion dollar (laughs) thing, right? Like I feel like, you know, I mean like everyone's and, and for me, prayer is the same way. Right. Like I can go find a perfect card. Right. I'm like, I can go like when I was a kid, it was blue mountain cards because oh. they were like super, like, I don't know, poetic and long and deep. And I yes. just felt like, Oh yes, that's how I would say it. If I could write a card. And then did is, you underline like yes, my mom would yep, like underline yeah, yeah, special yes, cards. Yeah. yeah. And so you can always find a card that's going to say something close to what you feel. Yeah. Right. But if you would just take the time and write a note, like how much more would that mean to someone? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, let me just take a second and think about what you mean to me and use my own words. I feel like maybe that's the same way with God. Like, okay, like that's a pretty prayer that someone wrote 500 years ago. Like, mm-hmm. okay, great, sweet, nice. How do you feel about it? Right. Tell me more about what you're thinking. Like yeah. I feel like, so we go back to this thing like that the God's our dad. Mm-hmm. Like if, I remember when I would want money from my dad or forgiveness from my dad, I'd write a letter. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, dear father. <laughs> You know, and I'd, and I'd write it all out and it'd be like this, I'm making a case for myself. Well, sometimes we kind of feel like we got to do that with God. Like as though we're walking into a courtroom. Yeah. And so we got to like this really, like, we can only stand up at this time. We got to sit down at this other time and I got to wait for him to ask before I can do this thing. And like, I don't know. That's not the God that I know. Yeah. Like the God that I know is like in a big lazy boy somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or he's like, I don't know, shooting hoops out on the driveway or something. And I'm just going to go talk to him out there. Right. You know, he's not, I mean, he's not, I'm walking into a courtroom. That's not how, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the God, you know, is different. And if that's the God you feel the closest to, like, let that be the, like how you see God. Yeah. But for me, God's on the driveway or God's in the lazy boy. And, or like at the movie theater and we're waiting for the movie to start. And I'm just going to tell him honestly how I'm feeling or how I'm hurting yeah. or how I'm happy or how yeah. I'm, you know, whatever. Like just go to God with where you, where you are with what you've got. Yeah. And sometimes I don't think we're honest with ourselves. And so when you speak it, either in your head, speak it or by yep. your mouth speaking it in private somewhere, I think sometimes we surprise ourselves like, oh, that's yeah. how I felt. And now I just told you, God, and now you can work on that yep, for yep. me. And again, he knew. Mm-hmm. But that aha moment, that's what breaks something in us that yep. allows repair to happen. Because yep. some of things get all so like jangy or so like mm-hmm. messed up that it's got to be broken in order for there to be space for there to be healing. Yeah. And so us saying the words out loud or out loud in our head, mm-hmm. like sometimes that can create that break that then God can, you know, put back together, yep. you know, and make his kind of way. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What did that mean? Here's what it means. It means that they, the people who did the work and the business of the kingdom, didn't have an intimate relationship with Jesus. They, it was all business. They did what they saw done. They copied. What other people had with an intimate relationship with Jesus, they copied. And they did that. 
I'm trying to remember the context of this part of the story. I remember because this is the part that I was like, dang, yep, I, I for sure understand that wholeheartedly. He was talking about, um, you know, Matthew 7 and about like just having someone else like kind of walk the faith out for you or you're just watching someone, you're just doing something because that's what was taught to you or shown to you. Sure. And then, you know, in Matthew 7, verse 22, when, when, hey, when we see Jesus face to face, what are we going to say to him? Why should I be here with Jesus? And that verse says a lot of things, totally paraphrasing this, you guys. Uh, but you know, like, Hey, well, I taught Sunday school. I went to school. I went to, I went to church every Sunday. Um, you know, I was on the worship team. Uh, I, I served as a greeter. Like those things are great. But if you did not personally know Jesus, if you did not personally say, I surrender myself to Jesus, he's the only way Jesus is going to look at us and say, I don't know who you are. And I remember that moment in my life because that's what, that's that, that verse like is what showed me what salvation really is. Cause I was that person. I was the person who was living their life, um, just living it and making it look like what other people's faith looked like. And I don't know that I was totally consciously doing that. It's just, I think part of the danger of this, I don't know if this is going to sound right or not, but part of the danger of being raised in a church, that's just how my life was. And so I didn't question a lot of things. I wasn't necessarily questioning, you know, that Jesus was the son of God or anything like that, but I certainly wasn't being very relational about it. And so I remember, um, as I already was married and had two kids and reading that Bible verse that I had been read a million times. And for whatever reason in that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. Like, and it, it made me sad to think that Jesus would look at me and say, I don't know who you are. Like, I'm glad you did all those nice things, Casey, but I, I don't know who you are. Like, I remember thinking that is the saddest thing I could have ever heard. Yeah, that's big. So in the Bible, of course, there's a million versions. I'm looking at the ICB, which sounds fancy, but it is actually the International Children's Bible, which is right on my level of reading. I love it. (laughs) That verse says, on the last day, many people will say to me, you're the Lord, you're our Lord. We spoke for you. And through you, we forced out demons and did many miracles. Then I will tell them clearly, get away from me. You who do evil, I never knew you. What? Can you imagine? I know. Listen, this is this is it. I keep it in my my backpack, and I highlighted that verse. He sees holding right now the world's smallest Bible. <laughs> if you were Baptist, you would you would know. <laughs> what, this is your go tell people about Jesus Bible. Um, <laughs> but I remember highlighting it and thinking, oh my gosh! The first thought I had was, thank you God for keeping me alive up to this point to have that realization, so that now so that now I can know you and be totally different in my life. And not that I was faking my life. I like it wasn't fake, but it wasn't but I wasn't real either, yeah. you know? I mean, yep. it wasn't a deep earnest. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what it says in the message, which is my favorite version. Me too. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. God, I love this. (laughs) And do you know what I'm going to say to them? Quote, you missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, but it's, but that's the truth, right? That should make us all yeah. be like, okay, 
why do I believe this? Do I really believe this? Because it's a big deal. (laughs) It's a big deal. I talk a lot about how I feel like who I've come to know who I am in Jesus and who Jesus really is happened first when I got here. I've been in church my whole life, Mm -hmm. my whole life. Sometimes double churching, right? Sometimes at at Catholic church and Assemblies of God church, my whole life. Until I got here and I I was like, this is a different culture. They're talking about this differently. Mm -hmm. And then then I started regarding it as people playing at church. Mm. Like, I feel like people just play church. They have church. They do the church things. We have this carpet. We have these pews. I wear these khakis and this golf shirt tucked in. Ridiculous. (laughs) And so like, I'm just going to play at church. We're going to have these programs in Sunday school and we're going to have a picnic and, you know, we're just going to, and they're all playing at church. Mm -hmm. They're all, what did you say? Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. God-sponsored projects. That's what we do. You know, and I'm not saying all those things are bad. You can do those things if you're earnest and only you know if you're earnest. Yeah. But for me, I want to, like I, because I am a skeptic and a cynic, I'm not going to believe most people. So I want to make sure that the way that I live my faith is flagrant and plain, right? And and nonsensical. Like I want it, like it doesn't make any sense why I would talk the way that I talk or act the way that I act or, you know what I mean? So, because I want it to be plainly clear who Jesus is to me and who I am in him. And in fact, that that's, I'm everything I am because of him. Mm -hmm. And so that I, so you can't doubt my earnestness. And I'm not saying that in a boastful way, but I just right. want to make sure that there's nothing else attached to it. So let me just get rid of the khakis and the golf shirts <laughs> Thank goodness. and the carpeting and like all these other things. There was a person who once came here to this building when it first opened and they pulled one of the senior staff aside and said, why are there no crosses here? Are you not Christians? Oh my. What, what is that? What do you, Yeah. what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. You know, and so, but that's one of those things where people just like, they want to, they feel comfortable when they're playing at church because now it looks the part. Mm-hmm. Like if they look the part, I'm going to drive this car with these stickers on it, or I'm going to wear this shirt. Or I'm going to do these things. So it, I look the part at the very least. I'll look the part. Yeah. No one can doubt me. Well, I don't want to look the part, right? I want to act the mm-hmm. part. Yeah. I want that to be the doubtless part of it. Yeah. Like there's no doubt, right? Like I, I want people to say to me, like, I don't know that I believe you're God, but like, you're the best Jesus dude that I've ever met. Right. And so, okay, I'll take that. Right. You know what I mean? And that might have the best khakis, right. Or the yeah. most perfect pew chair. Right. But I, you know what I mean? And so like, I feel like that's yeah. that verse is like, I don't ever want to answer for that. My right. God sponsored project bird. Did you not get a goosebumps? Yep. That? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think it's a good, like for those of us who call ourselves Jesus people, it's a good thing to like, in your own time to kind of check yourself. Yeah. And I think those are the times that um, you have to be honest with yourself. And it's okay if the answer is, you know what, I think I was just acting it, but I really want it to be real. Yeah. I think too, like if you're very focused on impressing other church people, that's a problem. Yeah. I think you should want to be like what you said, someone who doesn't know who God is or doesn't believe yet, but thinks you're a really cool reflection. Yeah of God's love. That's like, it. that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. For me anyway, I don't know. Yeah. It could be different for you and that's okay. You're yeah. on your own journey. Yeah. Right. But don't get into my timeline though and tell me that I'm stupid for doing it the way that I'm doing. <laughs> I'll tell you that. That happened this week and I blew up. Oh no. I did. Like, I'm not good at that. I need to be better at that. <laughs> like I, I, I'm really good at responding to like not Jesus people, 
you know, and and like I'm really good at that. It's the people that are Jesus people. When they come at me, then I get all super prickly. Mm -hmm. That's when I feel like lately I've been telling people I think I'm a prophet, like yeah. not the kind of prophet that tells fortunes, but the kind of tell, prophet that tells the truth. Yeah. And so, like, I'm done with like people playing this verse. I'm done with right? people playing at church. Knock yeah. it off, man. Like, show it to me another way. Don't show it to me in how holy, you know, you walk or you drive or whatever. That's not even right. Like, yeah. what you drive or what you're walking in. Like, yeah. don't like don't show me that way. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. You know, get, what did he say in there? Because the, his kick out was amazing. And you know what I'm going to say? He says, you missed the boat. <laughs> All you did was use me to make yourselves look important. You didn't uh, impress me one bit. You're out of here. Dang it. Right? And here's the thing. Like, we're not trying to impress God. I mean, we're just trying to live out what he's called us to live right. out. I want to make I want to make who he is uh, beautiful to other people. Love like, it. I want them to, to not think how could I, I don't want to live one more minute without whatever that guy's got, mm -hmm. you know, that's the gospel. Like, I don't need to come and tell you what you're doing wrong because there's plenty of stuff that you can come at me with right. like plenty of stuff. So if you're looking for that, you're going to find it. Like, let me just open up my cupboard so you can see. <laughs> so if that's, if that's your goal to find out what I'm doing wrong, I can just show you. Yep. Right. But if your goal is to try to live in such a loving and kind and merciful and graceful way that you're like, I want whatever you have because that I need that more of that in my life. And I know that that only comes from God. I'll tell I'll show you where that is. You know, I'll just tell you what cupboard that's in. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That's perfect. Anyway, hey, thanks for being here. I'm thanks glad you were here. That was a super fun episode. Super I love that. Super fun. You should come back again. I, would I don't love know why to. you waited a year. What to the do heck? It. <laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends on social media. You can just grab the link from whatever platform you're using and just share on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or uh, uh, TikTok. <laughs> Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. oh my gosh. Is that a social media thing? I don't, I don't know. Middle school. I don't I mean. think anyone's Snapchatting anymore. <laughs> Casey, boy, you're so lame. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thanks for joining us today. I'll talk to you next time.